Welcome to a virtual view. This episode is a little different as I am not your regular host, but for today, I am your host, Caroline Yoder. You may know me as the producer and editor of this podcast, but I am hosting today because I have the honor of interviewing today's guest, Stacey Burris. A few weeks ago, we had an episode where Becky interviewed Bryce Ray Nelson and Kathleen Chalminiak about Erskine, the Indiana Rural Schools Clinic Network. Stacy's been involved in one of those school telehealth sites. So Stacy, could you tell me a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So I am the Director of Outreach for Green County General Hospital. My name is Stacy Burris, of course. And um, the way I was involved with the beginning of the telehealth program is I was one of the first from my organization to help pilot it in our community and in our county. So then could you tell me and give me a little background on how you guys started that, what that kind of looked like, and how you guys utilize the telehealth in your community? So our organization utilizes telehealth in our community through our school systems. Back in 2018, WRV, which is White River Valley School District, came to us with the grant from the Indiana Rural Health Association that they had received for this school-based telehealth program. No one in our community had had it before, so this school was going to be the first, and they needed to partner with an organization to provide the provider services, so the physicians and the nurse practitioners, to actually have the visits with the students. And they came to us. We said, that sounds like a fantastic idea. We would love to do that. We have four rural health clinics, and we thought that that would be a great fit because our county, Green County, is so geographically spaced that we knew, one, it is difficult for parents and for students to see providers, and two, because of how geographically spaced, we have four rural health clinics. So we have one in Worthington, at Westgate, in Bloomfield, and in Linton. So knowing our county and our community, we thought this would be a wonderful fit. We began with just WRV and quickly expanded to the other four school districts. So our community has five school districts. And as soon as they found out that WRV school district was creating this program, they wanted to sign on as well. And so they contacted us. We quickly contacted the Indiana Rural Health Association, and it just kind of exploded from there. All, all of our schools. So we have seven schools that have the telehealth program in their school now. And because of this and the success of our program, a neighboring county, Owen County, actually asked to partner with us as well because they wanted to have this service for their students, but they couldn't find providers. So we partnered with them. Today, we are serving nine schools total. That is absolutely incredible. I know. It really is. Well, and like, you know, so we've talked about Erskine at the UMTRC, and I've learned more about the Erskine program because of that. But, you know, I'm from northern, northern Indiana. And like, this was never talked about in our schools. Like, nothing like this was ever talked about. Maybe it is more now, but when I was in school, it wasn't. And it's really, really cool to see how we can really help and benefit our students in this way. Yeah, it's been a great program. It sounds like the program, I mean, as you've said, it's been really great and it's been really beneficial. But was it difficult to get implemented 
you know, was there any big barriers that you had to overcome to implement this? So the biggest barrier in implementing the school-based telehealth program was probably the technology component, just learning the technology and setting the technology up. You need to have a lot of communication between your IT departments and the hospital or the organization's IT department. So that really was probably our largest concern across the board with all of the schools and with all of our um, providers. So then you had this barrier with the technology, but did you have any barriers with the students? Did they feel like this was normal? Did they feel like it was like a little weird just because it wasn't something they'd experienced before? So the way the students feel about the school-based telehealth, I actually asked Jessica Egnoff, who is our White River Valley Elementary School nurse, this question. And she answered it for me. She said that kids are sometimes a little weary or shy about telehealth because it's something new and different to them. And she usually does a little mock look in their eyes or throat with the equipment to show them how it works. Once they see that, they are usually right on board because they think it's really great to see the inside of their ear or the inside of their throat blown up on the screen. So that is a way that she kind of eases their anxiety about the whole process. And then she also talks with the provider just to kind of listen and, and let the student talk to the provider first and show them kind of, okay, this is the provider is on the screen. You know, this is who you're talking to. So then did the community feel the same way? Were they also on board? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's interesting because I was kind of part of the initial um, kickoff. So the way the community felt is very positive. They were on board. They did have a few questions, but they thought that this was a great thing. And I think the reason it's been such a good fit for Greene County and why it's been so successful in Greene County is because our county is very large and we're very, we're spaced out. So a lot of our residents have a 10 to 15, even 20 minute drive to their provider. So logistically, I think all the parents right away realized how much sense this made to have it right in the schools. So we didn't have too much of a pushback from them. So you talked a little bit about their opinions then, but after implementing it, did they change at all? I mean, you said that their opinions were pretty positive from the get-go. Their opinions have stayed positive. And I can say for the community, one of the things that our organization did along with the Indiana Rural Health Association, who sent a representative with us, we actually traveled to all of the school's school board meetings. So we presented the program to the school board and to the parents that were present and to the newspaper that was present. We explained the program. We passed out all of the information that we had, a sample consent form, and then we just took any questions that anyone had and we answered their questions. We were extremely transparent. One question being, how will we bill for this? And we told them we bill just as though it's a regular office visit. And the other concern was, does this replace their provider? But it does not replace their provider because this is for acute conditions. So they're still more than welcome to see their provider. Some of the students did not have an established provider. So this was 
a great way for them to receive healthcare that they otherwise were not receiving. But we were just very transparent, upfront, and we had a lot of communication in the beginning. So then you talked a little bit about the nurse's role in that situation. She kind of does the little mock looking in the eyes and throat and ears to kind of ease any anxieties that the student might have. But she also does the testings for the provider, correct? What all is the nurse's role? The nurse's role in the healthcare visit is she, the student first presents to the nurse. So she kind of decides if she thinks this would be appropriate anyway. So once she feels like a visit is appropriate, she immediately calls the parent and gets a verbal consent. Even though we have a consent form on file, we want to get that kind of second consent just because as a parent, you want to know what's going on with your child at all times. So she gets that verbal consent from one of the family members listed on the actual consent form. And she initiates the visit with the provider. So she logs into the very secure online system and she waits for the provider to come on. She talks with the provider at first and then kind of introduces the student to the provider. And then she's the provider's hands, we could say. She uses the equipment. She uses an otoscope. She uses a stethoscope. And she is putting it on the student and the provider is kind of directing her through the, the process and saying, okay, can, can we hear the, you know, the back? Can we put the stethoscope to the front of the lungs? Can we look in the ear? Can we look in the throat? So the nurse is kind of just doing what the provider is directing her to do and being that extra level of communication between the provider and the student, you know, she, like I said before, she'll describe what she's going to do. Okay, this is going to go in your ear and it's going to come on the screen. And the, you know, Dr. Dr. Cullison is going to look at this and be able to tell what's going on with you. So that's really her role. With the students that already had primary care physicians, did this information just get sent to their physicians or... The information does get transferred to the student's primary care physicians if the parents would like it to be transferred. At the end of the visit, the visits do erase, so they're not stored on a database, but there is a report that occurs. So at the end of the visit, the system automatically generates a report of the visit and also the provider's notes that the provider has made during the visit. That turns into a secure PDF, and that can be sent on to the student's provider if requested. I know that your kids actually attend the school that these programs are in. So what is your perspective as a parent? You know, what's the parent perspective on the telehealth programs? So I will say from a parent perspective of the telehealth program, I thought it was fantastic. My students, however, thought it was the most terrible idea they'd ever heard and could not understand why would we, we would want to do this. So probably because they're using the school nurse as more of a, oh, we can go down here and kind of get out of class. And then when you have that layer of accountability there, I think, I think that kind of, kind of showed them, oh, wait, maybe, maybe I can't do that anymore. So as a parent, there was that aspect of it where I knew it was a more serious situation now. So if my student presented to the school nurse and really was sick, they could log in and see the provider. So I thought it was absolutely fantastic. We've had 
parents call and just absolutely have praise for the program, we now know that we don't have to leave work. Mm -hmm. And then one of the great features is the provider can actually go ahead and call in a prescription to the pharmacy if that is needed. So as someone working, I know my child, if needed, can see a provider, can get a prescription, and then at the end, I have a full report of what went on. So I think it's a win-win. Yeah, I just, that's just so cool. You know, and it just makes sense. It really does. Um, yeah, it cuts off me having to go, okay, I've got to leave work and go get my child from the school and then go to the doctor if I can get in and then, you know, deal with the situation afterwards. So this just, it just puts your mind at ease too, I think. And knowing that a provider is just one, one or two clicks away, it's great. What concerns did you find that people had with telehealth? And, like, were there any experiences that helped to dispel those concerns? Or was the community super excited? So I have a lot of experience with the community reaction to this and what they were fearful of and their questions because I, along with my CEO and Kathleen from the Indiana Rural Health Association, we attended these board meetings. So we presented the program to the board. And then we had immediate question and answer period from the parents that had attended the board meetings. So immediately, a few questions that came up was, how do we bill? Is this free? Is this going to cost a lot of money? Who pays for this? So we explained, and we were really upfront with that, that we charge as if this was a regular visit to the physician, and we bill through your insurance. Most of the time, our students are covered with insurance, and it processes through their insurance, and it's fine. Some occasions, the students do not have insurance, but we do have a navigator that we connect them to as soon as we find that out. So we tried, and we told everyone this. So we tried to kind of anticipate what our problems would be and just be upfront. We gave them FAQ pages. We posted everything on our website. We used social media to introduce the program. The newspapers published all of our question and answers, our FAQs, and our marketing materials that we had created. And we passed those materials out to the parents that were there. And then, like I said, we took questions and answers from them. The other question that we had from parents was, does this replace their provider? What if they don't want to see this provider? And that's where that, I think, extra level of communication between the school nurse and the parent comes in because there could be a situation where you are signed up, but maybe you don't want them to see that provider right now, even if it's an acute situation. So the parent can always say no. So we were really transparent. We were really aggressive with communication. We had it kind of all lined up. We had borrowed the communication from the Indiana Rural Health Association. They already had lists of FAQs, so we kind of took from that. And then we added to our questions on that page as we were receiving questions. So we just tried to be really informative, really upfront. One other thing that I did as the marketing director and the outreach director for our organization, I attended a lot of sporting events. So basketball games and football games. And I had a little booth and I had the consent forms and I signed up parents 
they could come by and fill out a consent form. We were announced on the overhead. So they came and visited the booth and I answered their questions as, as they came up. And we didn't have many negative remarks or questions. In fact, they were thankful and grateful that we were there at their school so they can just easily sign up. The consent forms were printed. Everything was ready for them. All they had to do was take just a few minutes and fill out the forms and give them back to me. So they thought that was really convenient. They really enjoyed that part of it. So then do you guys offer just one provider or do you guys offer multiple providers? Our organization offers multiple providers. So we have a network with these four rural health clinics. And when the school nurse logs into the system, it's whichever provider is available. Okay, that makes sense. So what are some successes that you've seen come from this program? So we, right away, we had positive feedback and we had a parent call us, you know, within a few weeks of the program implementing and say, I couldn't believe this. I got a call from the school nurse saying they think my child has strep. They said, can we have them see the provider through telehealth? I said, yes. And she said, by the time she had started making arrangements, she got another call and that the prescription was being sent to their pharmacy. So, and that's another thing I think I forgot to touch on is our school nurses also test for strep and flu and do a few urinalysis testing. So they have those on site and that's directly because of their partnership with us as an organization and we're able to provide these machines that do the testing for them. So they had, you know, this the results, the prescription, and we're talking, you know, less than an hour turnaround. So before the parent could even react to knowing well, that their child could potentially be sick, the solution was already there. That is just so awesome. It's, it's just so encouraging to hear we're just having another avenue to give children great health care. Nurses wise, do they need any additional training or anything like that? So we just utilize the school nurse. The only thing that they're trained on is the equipment, the technological portion of the equipment. But it's easy to use. They We've been reported by all of the school nurses that it was fairly easy to catch on to. They were trained and our IT department was there with them the whole time. And I think that's kind of attributed to the fact that we all built this program together. So we kind of learned it all together. And now our IT department is pretty knowledgeable about the equipment. So they've been able to train all of the school nurses, but also the company that we use has a great tech support department. So they've provided tech support. The Indiana Rural Health Association also provided tech support for us. So we just had a great team that came together and trained the school nurses, and we have not had any complaints from them at all. That's awesome. So I know that students haven't exactly um, been in their school buildings as much lately. Has there been anything that you guys have been able to do with that telehealth technology while the students aren't there in person? Yes. So, you know, I don't know if you've heard, but we're in a pandemic. (laughs) And... 
when this first started, we quickly realized that we needed to make some changes. Right away, our schools shut down. And so we had these telehealth equipment and capabilities at, what, nine schools. So what we ended up doing is moving them to our clinics and moving them into our hospital and our community started using the telehealth equipment. So we kind of made it available to the whole community. And that I really, I can't even tell you probably how many, you know, people that kept from getting sick, especially early on, because they had that now that option to use telehealth. And while we were implementing this, we went ahead and ordered additional units so that way we could put them back in the schools whenever the schools reopened. But for the meantime, we were able to quickly adapt to the situation and pull that equipment out of the schools and use it for our community. So I just think that that was incredible to have that option and to be able to do that and, um, you know, provide the service for our community. Yeah, that is incredible. Like I don't even have the words just for, it's just so incredibly inspiring and, and awesome and kind that you guys have been able to just wrap around each other and really just help take care of each other. Like not only in the community are you helping to create better healthcare opportunities for students, but you're helping hospitals when they're overloaded and having difficulties. And, you know, because of that, helping take care of more people in your community, it's just really awesome to to see and hear about. And because we already had it set up and we had already been using the system, we, I mean, within a day, We had it pulled from the schools and put into our clinics and put into our hospital and our physician that cares for our area nursing homes was able to use it in the nursing homes. So, Mm. I mean, you're talking to be able to do it so quickly is because we had it originally in the schools and, you know, all of the, anything that could have gone wrong has already gone wrong and we've already addressed it and kind of fixed it. So we were just able to really quickly roll out a really robust telehealth service to our community. Yeah, again, that is just so impressive and so cool. Stacy, is there anything else you want to share? No, um, you know, it's going great. It's going great. I had a few, let me see here. I had a few statistics. Now, this is as of the last time I checked... So because this school year has kind of been crazy, but we have around 1,875 total Greene County students. And by the second year of our program, we had 538 out of those 1,875. So about half, well, a little less than half, half of our students enrolled. So that means they had signed consent forms on the books. So that's pretty incredible considering if you think of all the paperwork parents have to sign and everything that was going on, I think that's pretty great to, and it's kind of a testament to the program and how parents really believed in it. Yeah. I mean, I mean, just even thinking about like general consent forms, just even getting parents to sign general consent forms for like, you know, clubs, classes, field trips, just all of these things the parents choosing to take the time to fill that out I think really just gives the testament of like how many parents really see the value in this program 
and it did it did take time to fill it out but also it ultimately saved them time and just really gave their kids a chance to have better health care i really feel like there is just no losing situation here we have not come across a losing situation yet it's just really benefited our community but you know like i said it kind of was a great fit and i think that's why it spread so quickly so to start with one school and I mean, that was 2018, and to be sitting at the beginning of 2021 with nine schools and to have gone through a pandemic, I mean, it's pretty incredible what we've been able to achieve. But like I said, it just kind of fit our community. Well, thank you, Stacy, for joining me today and just sharing all of this amazing information. It is just so encouraging to hear all that you guys are doing, and just thank you for all of your hard work. I want to thank you for listening to this episode of A Virtual View. I've been your host, Caroline Yoder. You can find more information about today's episode in the show notes below. If you would like to support our podcast, please rate and review us on your favorite podcast platform. If you have any questions or topics you'd like for us to discuss on future podcasts, contact us at info at umtrc.org or through the form found in the show notes. Also, I'd like to give a special thanks to Josh Rodriguez and Francis Fitzgerald for scoring our podcast. Finally, a special thanks to the Health Resources and Services Administration, also known as HRSA. Our podcast series, A Virtual View, is sponsored in part by HRSA's Telehealth Resource Center program, which is under the Federal Office of Rural Health Policy and the Office for the Advancement of Telehealth. The content and conclusions of this podcast episode are those of Caroline Yoder as a member of the Upper Midwest Telehealth Resource Center. It should not be construed as the official policy or position of, nor should any endorsements be inferred by HRSA, HHS, or the U.S. government. Thanks for listening and have a great day.